Security threats are everywhere. But with Xfinity XFi, you're notified of threats to your in-home Wi-Fi network, so all your connected devices are protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity today and get a great offer. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with Xfinity XFi. Plus, you'll get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway. That's a $72 value per year. No other provider offers this. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. We say what they can't radio. Peace. Good afternoon. Abaragani. Shalom. Mir. Pas. Assalamu alaikum. And Hotep. Welcome to another live broadcast of Radio One World Fest Global, coming to you again from the beautiful downtown Brooklyn studios of We Say What They Can't Productions. We're happy to join you today, and uh, we have a guest in studio with us. We're expecting to have two. We have one, and we're going to start with him very shortly. Uh, my name is Kamel Ellis. CEO, co-founder of One World Fest Global, and we will be talking today to protectors of peace. Why protectors of peace? We decided to do this show during the month of January. Uh, there's an initiative called Peace Week that I've been, that we've been a part of, uh, with the Pieces of Lifestyle team, uh, since 2010. And that initiative was based upon the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Peace Week, from January 15th to January 22nd. Back in, I think, 2016, the city council picked up on the great work that was being done there by that organization and some others, Man Up, Inc., King of Kings Foundation, so forth and so on, and declared an official part of the calendar of the city of New York, Peace Week. Check it out. Uh, so this is part and partial of Peace Week, even though officially it runs from the 15th to the 22nd, here we are, January 26th, and we're going to wrap it all up today. We are doing the Protectors of Peace because there has been a spate of attacks of women of color in our community. There's been a spate of attacks on people from the Jewish community uh, here in New York City and in other uh, local and regional areas around the country. And what we wanted to do today was make sure that we highlighted the great work of some of the people, people who have tasked themselves with protecting the most vulnerable community people in our communities. Thus, the protectors of peace. I myself am a part of the peacekeepers, which is helmed by, uh, Captain Dennis Muhammad and the great people over there. Orange is the color for peace. And uh, Captain Dennis Muhammad is the head of the peacekeepers. I think we were involved initially also with uh, Bob Slayton, who was a great part of the uh, beginning of that organization. So we said, let's bring out the people who have said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to step up and I'm going to be a part of protecting the peace in our community and making sure that the most vulnerable folks are always f- feeling like they have someone standing up to them for them. Therefore, I'm going to introduce our first guest today. His name is Mr. Anthony Beckford uh, from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, say hello to my audience, Mr. Beckford. How's it doing, everybody? How you doing, listeners? <laughs> okay, Mr. Beckford, uh, tell us a little about yourself. Give us your background and uh, how you came to be with us today. 
Um, well, one, you know, I'm a community advocate. I'm a mentor, single father, you know, U.S. Marine Corps veteran, you know, the president and co-founder of Black Lives Matter Brooklyn, and also the president of the Brooklyn chapter of Cop Watch Patrol Unit. Okay. Know, and a city council candidate as well. Okay. Uh, tell us what inspired you to get involved uh, with those organizations. Um, it's mainly because of the platforms. You know, the platforms were for the people, you know, protecting the people, you know, trying to make sure that the people will have this empowerment to also, you know, police themselves and protect themselves as well, too. You know, um, I'm very militant, you know, um, which is why I fit right into the Marine Corps. Okay. You know, but then it's like, at the end of the day, they think that people who are militant have no compassion, you mm -hmm. know, so I figure, you know, why not show them firsthand that, okay. you know, there is compassion, there is empathy, okay. you know, that, you know, not only do we fight against certain things, but we fight for things as well, too. Okay, that's piece, and that, that's important to know because usually, when f folks look at people in the uh, community who have taken a stand, they think that every stand they take is anti, anti this, anti that, anti this, whatever it may be. There are people who have who have taken pro <laughs> positions, and those are progressive and positive positions to make a change. And I appreciate uh, you having done that. Uh, tell us what caused you to, uh, was there any one particular incident that caused you to step up and say, this is why I want to be involved? Was there, what was your inspiration in terms of, was there an incident or was it something, a tradition you wanted to carry on? Uh, I know the Black Panther Party initially was founded on the same premise, the premise yeah. that we can police ourselves. Yeah. Uh, as, as I said, you're the president of the Brooklyn chapter of Black Lives Matter as well as the Cop Watch organization mm -hmm. and the Black Panther Party, for instance, said, hey, we can police ourselves. We have the right to do it. We have the right to bear arms and we have the capabilities, uh, the capability to do it. And, and they also wanted to be able to, uh, decrease in the number of killings of unarmed black men in the community. So thus my question to you of, was there any one particular incident that caused you to say, Hey, it's, it's time that something's done? It was life itself, you know, because Growing up, you know, I always, you know, you know, I was always a small, scrawny kid growing up. Okay. You know, now I'm like six feet, 280 pounds. Big guy. <laughs> Absolutely. Know? But, big you know, gentleman. But, you know, back then, you know, there was, there was always the case of bullying, but, you know, it wasn't like the bullying that's going on now, you know, but th that's something that still conditioned you okay. into wanting something better, you know, wanted to educate your peers, you know, but then even, you know, as I got older, you know, I've seen, you know, the occurrences of, you know, racism and the violence through racism. Mm -hmm. You know, I heard the stories from my mom, who was an immigrant from Jamaica, okay. you know, of how, you know, she would be attacked as a black woman walking down mm. to certain communities, getting spat on, things thrown through the window at her. Right. And I was like, no, this this can't happen. We can't right. continue to cycle. And then growing up, you know, being in between, you know, the gun violence of the gangs and the gun violence of the police, you know, it's like enough is enough. Like, you cannot... Mm expect me to survive when I want to live. Right. You know, it, right. the, the, the need to survive stopped. Right. I wanted to live. I wanted people to be okay. sustainable, to be able to thrive. Survival is too low of a bar. Yeah, it's, it's too low because surviving, right. you know, you're always oppressed. You're always held down. You know, you're always right. in, in, in the shadows. Right. You know, it's time for us to be out the shadows. This is why they feel we don't have leaders anymore. Mm. And I, you know, figure, okay, well, no way, <clears throat> nobody's going to step up, then I'll step up. You know, and then when I stepped up, I realized people were already there. Okay. But, of course, you know, through, you know, a lot of the blackouts through media, 
you know, they don't let us see who these individuals are. Okay. So I was happy that I stepped up and then I got to see like-minded individuals, like-minded organizations okay. and got to move forward alongside with them. Okay. You know, you know, we may have different tactics on doing things, different ways of going about it. The agenda is still goal. the same way, right. the same way that Malcolm and Martin at first had different tactics, but then, you know, through Coretta Scott, you know, um, you know, facilitating, yes, they re- learn these are still the same things. We still got the same agenda and they got to learn from each other and actually implement the same beliefs and the same movements going forward. Okay. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, and you're taking up that banner right here in Brooklyn, New York, where we record at. It, it definitely. Yeah. Cause even on um, the black Panthers, they were one of the first cop watches. Absolutely. You know, so Absolutely. matter of fact, we can even go past, you know, before that mm-hmm. to like Harriet Tubman and the rest of them, you know, cause right. We know that, you know, a lot of law, law enforcement basically is coming from the, you know, the role of slave catchers. Okay. You know, so these were the original cop watchers, you know, and of course our ancestors who came after them, right. you know, learned that, they knew that, they taught that, and they passed it on. So that's where we learned a lot, you know, of our tactics, you know, where we come from, mm-hmm. you know, and also how to educate the community based on that. So that way they understand mm-hmm. our role and understand their role that they can play as well too. Okay. That's peace. And, and, and again, it's important. Self-preservation, first of all, is the first law of nature, right? Uh, because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone else. So I teach that to my children. You know, I want you guys to be great members of society. I want you to be global citizens. But the first thing you have to do is learn to take care of your, take care of yourself so that you can make a positive contribution, uh, from a mentally, physically, and spiritually healthy place. And then you can go out there and help other people. But if I can't teach you how to uh, take care of yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually so that you can have the health that you'll need to endure the race, because this is a marathon, it's certainly in a sprint, then um, you're not going to be able to help anyone. Good afternoon, Raquel. Riss Ellis, uh, my sister down in St. Croix, Virgin Islands, checking us out. Mark Ford, big up, punch dollar, of course. And Raquel Sanchez from Miami. Good afternoon, y'all. Thanks for plugging in. Appreciate y'all. We are also joined today here by a very good friend of mine. Uh, his name is Mr. Sugar Ray Marston, uh, Rashawn Sugar Ray Marston. And I've known him for quite a while. A brother is an activist, uh, an author, uh, and, and I'll let him tell you a little bit more about himself. But the most positive thing he is to me is a focused young man with a lot of energy and, and a plan. Um, working out in a QB, Queensbridge, yes, which is the largest uh, public housing community in this country. So for him to be here with us today, he's going to bring a unique perspective on the work he's doing out in QB. And uh, let's say hello to Sugar Ray. And Sugar Ray, say hello to our audience. Introduce yourself again by name and tell us a little bit about what you're doing out in QB. Um, peace, uh, LaShawn Sugar Ray Marston. Um, more than anything, I mean, I'm an artist. All right, I'm an artist. Um, I have a vision in my head. Okay. I have a vision that I was born with. And I've been working my whole life to manifest that vision. And that mm-hmm. vision is uh, what they call Thug's Mansion. Right, a place okay. where we can, black people can get together and fellowship in the ways that we like to fellowship. Okay. We like to raise our voice sometimes, right? That's okay. who we are, right? We like to. Without scaring anybody. Without scaring nobody. anyone. Right? We ain't gonna hurt nobody. We ain't gonna hurt nobody. Like, we just, like, that's us. That's passion. That's right. passion. That's Absolutely. energy. That's fuel. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. But what happens is when we get, when we are in an environment with people who are completely opposite and are afraid of that, right? Mm-hmm. That's that complete energy. Opposite energy. Okay. Um, of of it's like it's, it's aggression, but it's aggression in love. Okay, it's aggression in truth. It's aggression okay. in literally in love and honor. Okay. That's just especially as black men. Absolutely, it is naturally that's our nature. Right, 
Um, and so um, that's ultimately just working to bring that vision forth. Um, and I okay. do it through film, um, okay. through photography, through writing, um, okay. storytelling. You know, okay. um, and with that, my greatest gift and passion is to connect with others and help them share their stories. And so in Queensbridge, um, and all of my work is that, is connecting with people and helping people remember their purpose, okay. right? Because when we talk about world peace, it's something that I've heard my whole life. Mm. And it's something that it seems like we've been moving further away from. And I realize why, because the more we focus on world peace, we focus on outside forces, outside influences, not realizing that the person who sits in the room knows the whole world is mental. The whole world is mental. Okay. We have to go back to those. Those are ancient principles and ancient philosophies is that we can change the world literally by changing ourselves. And okay. we emanate a frequency and a vibration that impacts others across the waters. Mm. Right. And so Absolutely. P- part of that is accomplished by diet. Right. Mm. Um, I think as black people, we have a horrible diet. You know, we eat black food, Americans, black Americans, right? right? Soul food. Yeah. It's killing us. Mm. It's, right? It got um, sold to us pretty effectively for no, a while. Absolutely. The soul food absolutely. thing about I mama mean, cooking fried chicken and, and collard greens and, 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 and the feels, cornbread. Oh, it feels good. It, it tastes delicious. <laughs> it tastes delicious. But it ain't good for us. Right. And then even the when, I, when, when I think about some of our elders who cook collard greens, you're cooking them all day. Like you cook everything out of it. So it takes a couple hours, man. What is it doing for you? Well, that's why they used to drink that. And they had, there used to be a name for the, the actual water. The, oh, yeah. The yeah. water that when you boil the collard <laughs> yeah. greens, that has more nutrients yeah, it does. than the actual collard greens. <laughs> Absolutely. Green. Because you boil it so long, all the nutrients <laughs> is now in the water. And what, what we throw that out. Yeah. Um, so, so we, yeah. Oh, we let it sit so long, it evaporates. So Great it ends point. up leaving. Yeah. Great point. Right. So it doesn't stay there. Absolutely. Um, so I know me personally, again, uh, born in South Jamaica, Queens okay. in the 80s, 84. Okay. Um, 80s, with, baby. With uncles who are fighters, right? right? Literally boxers, Navy, with a crazy Jamaican grandfather from World War II. Okay. Um, I grew up in hostility, right? Mm. And then being uh, raised in Queensbridge, moving there when I was two. Okay. In the early 90s, where going to school, you see a chalk outline. You know what I mean? Three, mm. four in the morning, you might wake up and there's a dead body laying outside your building. Right. Right. Um, right. And so I grew up in hostility. So I perpetuated that. You know, I got into drugs young, selling drugs young, um, okay. into the streets young. And what I realized is that, um, so I'm the same person today that I was then. Obviously, my life is different, okay. but I'm the same person, right? Okay. I didn't have something that didn't jump inside of me and change me from outside. Okay. I realized that what I wanted was peace for my family. Okay. I wanted, I had certain goals I wanted to accomplish. And I realized that the lifestyle I was living mm-hmm. was wrong. Or okay. not wrong, but it wouldn't bring me closer to my goals. It was bringing me further away from okay. my goals, going to prison, okay. you know, being shot, right? That's taking me away from life, right? right? From family and freedom. Right. Um, and what I realized that it was my mind. My mind was clouded. Okay. And, I, and, and deep I realized that every time I ate certain foods, my mind would get more clouded. And I would feel more like, I don't give a F. I don't mm. care. Okay. So once I started eating differently, Drinking more water first, right? Drinking more water first, clarity of mind. And then eating differently, I realized that I was able to process okay. life around me differently. So my responses to situations were different. Okay. So instead of instead of automatically responding, you know, in a hostile situation in the hood with violence and aggression, it was like, whoa, hold on. Mm. This is not what I really want. So how can I get out of this while still being me, still okay. keeping my integrity? What um, was it that made you feel like you wanted to change like that? Though? Because I wanted to live. Right. I had, again, go. I had big dreams. I had big go. goals. My dad passed when I was 11. One of the things I told him that I'm going to wow. be an author. I'm going to make movies. Like, I'm going to change this world. Okay. And at 19 years old, I got shot because I got killed and I was going to prison. Mm. So I realized that, whoa, like, this is far from the promise I made my dad. I'm bringing dishonor True that. to my dad and to those who have poured into me. I'm right. not honoring them. And so, True. again, it was all of that. Okay. But to get to the place of peace, 
it was I had to change my mindset. Okay. And a great part of that was changing my diet. Okay. And then people, places, and things. Okay. That's peace. Um, a lot of times it takes us to go through, unfortunately, uh, traumatic situations in our lives before we make a change. As young black men, we grow up being fed certain things uh, and told that these are the things that we should desire to have or desire to do without understanding that those very things are a part of our own self-destruction. Absolutely. And by the time we come to realize that they're, uh, we are serving into our own self-destruction, sometimes it's too late. When I say too late, I mean we've been harmed physically on very badly. We've harmed someone else physically very badly, or we've gone to jail, um, which is close to death, or we've unfortunately died. Uh, and, and we have to, we, we're usually forced to reflect on those things on, on past behavior from a hospital bed or a jail cell. And it's during that time when we come to think that, okay, you know, obviously I've traveled the wrong path and this is not what my parents taught me for the most part. Mm -hmm. And so for me to find myself here means that I've taken a wrong turn somewhere and I got to find out exactly how I get, get back to my foundation of decency that my people poured, like you said, your, your father poured into mm -hmm. you. And I like that term because that's what they try to do. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we come into the world as vessels and we're going to, uh, we're going to expound on those things that are fed into us, that mm -hmm. are poured into us. Um, and even if we get away from it, eventually we always end up come back, no, coming back. No, absolutely. To it, right? And it's so funny because uh, some religious folks have a term, you know, train up a child the way they should go and they'll come back. And it's, it's very simple as remembering your teachings. Absolutely. Like remembering what was poured into you, remember right? Remembering the lessons. Right. Right. Remembering the wisdom that's, right. that, that has been poured into you and that already exists inside of you. But I wanted to, I wanted to point out something. You know, one of the craziest things um, uh, that happened in prison was... Um, I was in a uh, green correctional facility mm. and a uh, lot of us, right? Mm -hmm. um, so two things happened. A lot of yeah, us. nephew locked up in green for a little while. I went up there a couple of times. Man, it's 3,000 young black men. It's a big place. Right? And that's when I realized it was a setup. I said, how can so many of us from different backgrounds, some came from two family homes, some came from, you know, middle class or wealth, some had money. So okay. different situations, different parts of New York. How are we all here? So I'm not even from New York. How are we all same age group here? So that's mm -hmm. when it clicked that this shit is a setup, mm -hmm. right? It's deeper than just me out there in the street selling drugs or carrying guns. Right. It's, it's bigger than just me. Um, but something else happened that, that, that gave me so much, that changed my perspective and then empowered me in such a way to realize that the stories I heard about us black men, right? Big mm -hmm. black men, they, they scare all they want to do is hurt. In prison, I met black men who... Um, so I'm a poet and I've always been a poet and I am who I am wherever I go. So I was in prison sharing my poetry and there were some of the men who were there for murder. Some men who you would look at in the street, right? Mm -hmm. Some people look at in the street and be like, whoa, let me stay away. Wanted to write poems to their daughters, mm. right? And I realized that everyone had their heart. Right. Everyone, everyone wanted peace in their homes and everyone wanted love. Right. Some people just got experienced so much trauma at such a young age mm -hmm. and um, they have been jaded so badly that they don't see a way that it's right. possible. So they just accept the reality that this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. And F everybody else. Okay. But it was in there that I realized that even the toughest people, man, we all mm. got a heart. We all want love. We all want peace in our homes for our families. Absolutely. And so that gave me the 
to come out. And when I came out, it didn't uh, change immediately, but mm -hmm. I had a vision. I knew what I wanted to do. I just didn't know how to do it. Okay. But, um, yeah, that's, that's important. It's important to have that vision still because you'll find your way. Absolutely. You'll find your way. Uh, Mr. Beckford, let me come to you. I want to shout out Punch Dollar on the check and peace and blessings to you, my brother, Punch too. Punch was good. Miss Jean Castro, Miss Trina Jacobs Hughes, thank you all for watching. We appreciate you. Uh, Mr. Beckford, I'm going to talk to you for a second about an incident that happened in your community in East Flatbush. There was a woman, uh, a Trinidadian woman, uh, who was the victim of a hate crime. Yeah. Uh, apparently, she was stabbed by a young white male. By yeah, a white was, male um, after coming. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that and and what happened around that incident. Yeah, that was Miss um, Anne Marie Washington. Um, it was crazy because I was actually on my way to an event. It was like on a Saturday, and um, <clears throat> excuse me. And then, matter of fact, this was last year. And then um, all of a sudden, my phone is going off. I'm getting notifications on my email like crazy. Like usually, it's either one or the other. It doesn't all happen at once. So right. I'm like right. something. Serious is going on, so I'm like, something wrong with my family, whatever. Right. And I see there's a video link, so I click on the video, and it's showing the post incident. And, you know, there's this, you know, Miss Washington, Afro-Carib woman from Trinidad, okay. who's just standing there, and there's blood dripping out her boots, and I'm like, what's going on here? You know, and then I'm hearing somebody in the background saying, yeah, you know, yeah, he beat her, he punched her in the mouth, and I'm like, wait. Is the kids in our hood really losing their mind coming at the elders this way? Right. And then I heard was he was a racist white man, and I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. It was those who practice the ideology because I don't like to say white supremacists just off jump. I say those who practice the ideology of white supremacists because nothing's <clears throat> green about what they do, okay. you know. And I'm like, so they actually got the nerve to come out here mm. and commit this. Right. Not because only this was a, in our city. At a train station in East Flatbush. Yeah, East Flatbush. So it was like, black area. like, you really have the nerve. But then I had to remember, look who's in power right now in this country. Okay. The grand wizard of the people. Okay. You know, who basically, you know, he basically um, galvanized them. You know, these are people who used to be stuck in their cellars, you know, with right. their moody shine and their Confederate flags. Now they feel right. empowered to come out and, and, and act boldly. And I'm like, no, okay. not out here. You know, so I contacted um, the witness, I contacted the videographer, um, <clears throat> was able to get in contact with the family, did a press conference, only, no matter of fact, one news outlet and one blogger showed up, and I was like, yeah, this is the way you treat us when this happened to us, be it when something happens to anybody else. I hadn't heard of that incident until just looking into some of the uh, the work that you were doing. I was surprised. I hadn't heard of that. I yeah, don't know about it. because the, me the media, one thing I learned about the media, and I learned this... <laughs> Growing up, but then also when it affected me when my daughter was kidnapped in 2014, the how the media, when it comes to our people, how they will minimize on the tragedies that happened to us, but they will definitely promote any acts that we do, no matter how big or small. You know, yeah, so. Community, right? you but, know, that's, but that's, and then this is what we understand that we are in war. That's their job. Yeah. Their job. Is to do that. We have oh, yeah. to understand that. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, don't complain about it. Not saying that that's what you're doing, but that's mm -hmm. what a lot of us do. Oh, why the media is not here? They're, that's not their job. It's not their role. That's our role to strengthen exactly. our media platform so that when exactly. we have something going on, we have our media outlets where we can tell them, you know what, we don't need you, Fox. Like, we, we reaching 2, 3 million, 5 million, 10 million people on our own. Exactly. Right? Okay. So that's why, again, this unity yeah. is, is, is so but important. It, but then that's why, okay. like, that's why, like, you Good know. Good point. When, when it came to that, point. you know, I did have to remember, you know, what, you know, Malcolm said, what many said before us, which was, you know, 
the media works for the system that mm-hmm. is put in place to imprison us. Mm-hmm. You know, the media's job was was basically, you know, from the fun- the main function was to demonize <clears throat> and criminalize the black people, okay. so that way that link of unity that was once there, mm-hmm. you know, from those who were, you know. Um, prisoners of war from the European countries and those who were Moors, you know, and who were coming together and fighting back against the establishment. They didn't want that anymore. You know, they yeah. didn't want, you know, the, the walk through Selma anymore. You know, they yeah. didn't want stuff like that. So, right. so, so their function was to do that. So I'm like, okay, I got one blogger. I got one person. I'm like, at least it was news 12. So that runs every 15 minutes. Right. So I said, okay, at least somebody's going to see this, you <laughs> right. know, but even with the blog, you know, I worked with the blogger, um, you know, he um he was a white guy, and he was like, hey, I'll send you the video. He's like, I'll send you the video so that way you can get it out there. Right. And I said, no, cool, because now we're able to control the narrative. We're able to say. That's important. Yeah, we're able to put this out as many times as possible on many platforms. Mm-hmm. And not to say, well, news coverage done for the day. Let's move to the next thing. No, right. we kept on pounding it. Mm-hmm. But also a problem is is when it comes to our electeds. Okay. Because it took. How did they le- respond to that? That, that tragedy. The it's woman, a first of all, she didn't die, right? No, she didn't die. And okay. that was a grateful thing because she right. found out that she had a collapsed lung the day after the event wow. when okay. she woke up and saw blood soaking into her pillow. Wow. You know, and then she was rushed to the hospital with that. Mm-hmm. So she could have died. You know, but then when I looked at the electeds, and these are people who are supposed to represent us, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about the white electeds in our city. I'm talking about our own black electeds. Okay. You know, how they waited 72 hours to see if it was a news bite for them. Mm. So when they, so when I'm getting contacted saying, Hey, can the family come and speak to us? You no. know, and I'm like, no, they're not coming. Mm-hmm. Just, just to shake them up, let them understand. You don't hold power out here. We put you in. You answer to us. Us mm-hmm. advocates out here. We're, reason we're here is because you failed. Right. So you answer to us advocates. You know, and I remember I um, was watching his daughter's like, well, Anthony, you know, you know, should I do it? I was like, no, don't do it. So then I contacted, you know, the little liaison between the electeds and I was like, Put it like this. If I cannot speak based off of what really happened, if I cannot speak the truth into this matter, instead of y'all trying to dilute it for optics, mm. the family will not come anywhere near that press conference y'all have. Because they was already having a press conference. Okay. What, trust what me, was going to be the what, purpose what, of their press conference? It was just to make them look good after 72 hours of waiting. They're not, they're not out there actively looking. We throughout the community, we were out there putting up posters, you know, we were out there before the NYPD even put up a... Was this uh, gentleman never apprehended? <laughs> we're going to get to that part. Okay. Uh, <laughs> tell you how. But, but he was apprehended almost a year later based on the fact that he attacked uh, off through the NYPD cop before he attacked Ms. Washington. Mm. He attacked he attacked the off through the NYPD cop, attacked Ms. Washington the next day. Then a few, when he was um, sent to, I believe, Bellevue, attacked a patient from in there. Mm-hmm. Then they finally locked him up and then they real then they put two or two connection like, oh, this is who we're looking for. But it's a year later. Right. Well I mean my people are boots on the ground every day in that subway, patrolling, walking black women mm-hmm. from the train station to their homes. Mm-hmm. From the train station to the bus. Just to show the community we're here to protect our women. Right. Because another thing that's been put out there is the fact that black men are not protecting their women and we disrespect them. No, that's not true. That's a false narrative. Yeah, that's that's something that that's put out there to divide, you know, right. the, the unity of of, right. of of our black community. Right. You know, we're not having that, right. and that's one thing that they were trying to perpetuate upon mm-hmm. us. But it wasn't happening, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, I had to call out. I had to call out a lot of electeds. I had to expose the fact that the NYPD was not treating us as a hate crime. They originally uh, filed it as a. Um, 
as an attempted robbery. Attempted robbery, okay. And then we demanded mm-hmm. that it be placed as a hate crime. Mm-hmm. And then we basically put the put their feet to the fire mm-hmm. and finally was listed as a hate crime. Okay. We should not have to do that when anything that happens to anybody else who is not black or brown right. is considered a hate crime off jump. Okay. And it doesn't even fit the criteria of it. Right. But when things happen to us and it fits that criteria, it's always downplayed. So when we look mm. at these numbers of hate crimes throughout New York City okay. and throughout the country, those numbers, I can't trust those numbers. Mm. Because there's a few things that pe- that we fear in the Because the, a lot of times those hate crimes are shown as something else. Yeah, they're, numbers they're, they're, they're downplayed from. as an attempt okay. at robbery. Right. You know, or they don't know who did it, even though witnesses are saying who did it. And they're like, well, you know, we're going to put this as a basic assault. You know, or what they, another thing that they do is, um, like we just had another incident in, um, a train station on Columbus Circle where two black men were being harassed by a white woman and she even assaulted one of the black men. He went to the precinct to file, um, to file a complaint and to file a hate crime charge against her, you know, cause, you know, she went through everything, all the target, derogatory words, called the N word and all that. And the officer told him if he doesn't get out the precinct, he will, um, charge him with, um, Disorderly conduct and arrest them. Okay. But this is a victim. Wow. But see, things like this is why I'm out there every day right. to make sure that things happen for us. Right. Because it's not going to be given to us. And we have to stop That's for sure. we have to stop thinking that we can ask for it. You know, right. we didn't have you know, when we when we came here, when they, you know, kidnapped us and brought our people here, right. we didn't ask for that. Didn't come, they right. didn't ask if we wanted to come. Right. You know, so we can't ask them for liberation. We can't ask them okay. for peace within our people. Right. We have to build that. We have to develop that. Right. Because from the beginning, the system was created to do these acts upon us. Right. So now we as a people now have because to be the Because we weren't considered humans. Right. Yeah. 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 First, it was treated as property. That yeah, property, then second class citizens. Right. And it's like, are you serious? Right. You know, so, you know, so matter of fact, Martin Luther King even said, it. he said we could organize and we could march, but we also have to educate. Right. We can educate, but we also have to legislate. You know, and this is why, like, you know, myself and many others have taken this path. And what we do, you know, we're part of various organizations, but we're also <clears throat> bringing it to the political arena as well, too, because we're like, we, you cannot say that you represent us if we have no true representation. We're definitely going to get to that because both of you gentlemen have political aspirations and aspirations. I'm, I know you've run for office and Sugar Ray is looking to do that uh, shortly. So I'm going to talk to both of you about that and, and talk to you all about how you expect to make a change <clears throat> once you be, uh, do become part of the system. And I want to be clear about something else today uh, in terms of One World Fest. We're about bringing people together from all cultures mm-hmm. and, and having each of those cultures show how they're looking to preserve their culture uh, to the benefit of the people uh, there and also to our benefit because diversity is what makes us great, right? And being different is what makes us special. So I did reach out. I just want to say I did reach out to uh, I reached out to the Guardian Angels. I reached out to uh, people from Jewish patrols, Sham Ren being one of them. And unfortunately, they weren't able to attend today because I wanted to, the protectors of peace from the different communities to have a voice in this discussion. And I'm happy that uh, you gentlemen are here because you come from my community, the black community. I have people saying, Kamel, you know, it's great what you're doing with the One World Fest, but we got to start at home. Home is me, man. You're looking at them. Straight up. You know what I'm saying? I represent the black community, and I represent the black community to everybody that I come in contact with as a black man. I have a very unique experience as a black man in America, Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I've been from the the lowest to the highest. Trust me. Mm -hmm. So, trust me, the black experience is getting represented well within One World (laughs) Press Global, and it always will be as long as I got anything to do with it. 
Okay. So first, let me go to um you because what I'm going to be doing soon is shutting down this live on Facebook, uh, so that we may be able to take some calls. Um, as I said, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about your political aspirations because we're coming almost to the halfway point in the show, and I want to make sure we talk about that a little bit, and as well as uh, one, two other things that you guys may want to put in here. But uh, let me go to you first, Shagre. Um, I understand you may be wanting to run for office very soon. And as a protector of peace, as somebody who's trying to make sure that your community is always well represented, how do you see that panning out? Tell us what office you may want to run for um, well, and how that is going to play into your overall plan to make sure that your community gets the resources and respect that it well deserves. <clears throat> um, so, so I'm going to run for a city council in District 26. Okay. That's um, Long Island City, uh, part of Astoria, okay. Woodside, um, and Sunnyside. Okay. Um, Queensbridge is part of Long Island City, Ravenswood, and Woodside Houses. So those are three projects, right. Right, three housing developments. Um, I'm doing it because um, I am 30. I'll be 36 in March, and I've lived in a neighborhood. 36? Yeah, I'll be 36. You look young, man. Still, still, <laughs> yeah, man. I ain't yeah, telling man. my age. You know, <laughs> yeah, man. I got to make some more changes so I can keep aging Oh, you're looking reverse. good, brother. Yeah, you're drinking you. that water, man. Appreciate you. For sure. Um, 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 but, yeah, I'll be 36 in March. Okay. And, again, I was about six, seven years old when I knew that I had a gift for words. When I knew um, mm. I listened to Michael Jackson sing Heal the World. And I said, that's what I want to do. But okay. I knew I couldn't sing a dance, right? It wasn't right. that. It was I wanted to impact people positively with my words, okay. with my love for words, with my gift. Okay. Um, and then at like uh, maybe at 12, um, as part of the community center, Jacob Reese Community Center, me and my friends wrote a movie. We wrote a movie. We filmed the movie, but we messed it up editing. We didn't know what we was doing. We had no guidance. Okay. But I knew I, that's what I wanted to do. And Silver Cup Studios is right across the street from Queensbridge. Silver Cup, absolutely. Right, which is one of Big the largest... Studio. Production studios on the East Coast. A lot of movies and TV shows. And right Kaufman there. Studios is maybe a 15, 20 minute walk. Kaufman Astoria, absolutely. Right? Kaufman yeah. Astoria. Right. And there's still, right, again, mm -hmm. I had that at six years old. So let's say 30 years later, there's still no outlet for people from my community to break into film and TV production. As long as both of those big studios are there, in the neighborhood, right? there's never and, been and any no, outreach into the community. None, none that it's, nobody I speak to know of. Um, okay. There's one elder who said he got $500 from Silver Cup in like 1988. One elder. Thanks, man. Um, and he said that was after months of prodding and right. asking for his foundation. That's deep. Right? Um, so regardless of whose fault that is, some people say, well, the community need to reach out. Well, if you're there as part of a business, part of a company, right. let's say of that, that, magnitude, uh, that, that, that magnitude, right? it is your responsibility Absolutely. to reach out to your neighboring community. Right. To people, hey, who in this neighborhood is interested in Talk about being good corporate citizens right? and all that other stuff. Um, right. So that's one reason. Right. Um, so because, again, there has been no great change. The other reason is because um, there has been great change. It's gentrified like crazy. Long Island mm. City is the that's fastest, so most gentrified community in the country. Mm. Right? Literally, Queensbridge Projects. A lot of some, changes happening. Some people there. still paying $300 rent. But right on the other side of the projects, right on the other side of the bridge, one of the cheapest apartments, I think studio was like $3,500 yeah. a month. It's $2 million apartment. I know, I know years, man. I have a doctor friend of mine. A uh, doctor friend of mine is a Greek couple. Both of them are doctors, mm -hmm. and they were living in a story in uh, Long Island City for the two million dollar apartment. Yeah. Like, it's two million dollar apartments yeah. in and Long more, Island City, and, and more than that. And that was of, and that was a place that was just known for being kind of like an industrial, absolutely. a lot yeah. of industrial blight in Long Island City right. for the long, long so, time. It'll flip you know, that over. Absolutely, we used to walk from Queensbridge down to Forty Fifth Road, which is maybe like six, seven blocks to play basketball. Right now, you go back down there. People live down there, 
and there has been um, a few experiences from people I know who have been told they don't belong down there. They belong really? on the other side of the bridge. Wow, man. Right? Um, so all of those They don't things, belong down there. They don't belong down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Man, these, gentrification these, is a monocolor of I mean, it's, 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 it's colonization. Mm-hmm. It's colonialism. Yeah. Right? Um, just in another word. That's right. it. And so is is that coupled with, again, just my love for my community. Um, and I said that if I'm living in this area, I cannot, like with the knowledge that I have, especially about city council, when I learned that city council is directly responsible for the money, where the money goes, the city budget, the land use, land what's happening use. with the land, land right, and the laws. When Big I realized deal. that, I said, those are three of the things that we have the most issues with, okay. right? You're shutting down our program. Tell us you don't have money for this. Tell us you don't have money for this, okay. right? Like they say they don't have money to fix NYCHA. Right, which is a lot of money, a couple billion dollars, they say. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had six million dollars in the uh, parks budget to build the park house in Queensbridge to fix mm. up the park house. And the councilman is boasting about that. They spent 42 million on the library down in Hunters Point, which is councilman over there, Van Bramer. Van Bramer. Van Bramer's right? over there, right? Okay. Um, they spent 42 million on the library down in Hunters Point, which is again a 10 minute walk from Queensbridge. Mm-hmm. 42 million on a library okay. where they won't spend five million. On to to expand, it's probably less than that to expand the care violence program six nine six. Or they won't put money into mental health, right? right? Or they won't. They're doing some the great work over there six nine six. Yeah, six nine six. Those cats, they're, they're man, working hard. Is 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 so it's all of those reasons, right? Right. Um, and the reason again, so I asked people in Queensbridge, why has no one from here ever run for office, and no one has an answer. I'm like, yo, like, yeah, I, people have no complained my whole Queens life. Bridge project has, has ever run. run. Really? Not, not in that area. There's one, uh, sister, her name is Casey, but she's, a, um, I think district leader in Jackson Heights. Okay. But never in our area has anyone from Queens Bridge ever run. Wow. But they've been complaining my whole life. I've been hearing complaints. And some of the same complaints. I'm like, why is nobody running? And I remember I grew up hearing in the community, we don't get into politics. That's not what we're into. Wow. And then I, again, I was like, oh, I realized that politics is everything. You can play it's parking, it's bike lanes, it's school tax. It's local. It's local. That's one thing I like to harp on the fact that, okay, um, like. It governs our rent. It's it's, it's, it's gas prices, everything. Food prices, food stores, everything in our daily life from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep. Right. Even if we stay in our home with the TV programs, the media programs, all of that is politics. Absolutely. Specifically local, city, council, assembly, senate, Mm. right? Congress, mm-hmm. all of that stuff, but it affects us, and we have been so far removed. Like, we're so right. unaware. In Queensbridge alone, and I've been home from prison 13 years. In 13 years, they built, like, 30, 40 hotels. Mm. Maybe at least a billion dollars, if not more, in mm-hmm. the area, and we don't own none of it. Mm. Not only do we not own none of it, we don't have any jobs. Not only do we not have, we don't, there's nothing. So it's like, whoa, like, mm. we need to, we got to get on the ball in this area, because if we can take our power back in Queensbridge, Long Island City, that we could be a model for the rest of the country. Okay. And before I go to Mr. Beckford, um, the recent Amazon situation that was supposed to mm-hmm. happen in Long Island City, mm-hmm. uh, what was your position on that? What was Mr. Van Bramer's position on Amazon <laughs> and the way the governor and the mayor kind of tried oh, to man. slide um, that under the, you know, past the people because they didn't go through the normal legislative process yeah. in order to get Amazon in there? Backdoor deals. Um, <clears throat> well, well, what do well, you think about that? Well, um, so I am, I am obviously a resident of the neighborhood. Right? Right. I've been a resident of the neighborhood. I am um, a resident of the neighborhood who is not above financially the poverty level, okay. right? Um, and so someone who lives there is like, whoa, like this big company, they're promising jobs, but we know how that goes, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, and then the parking in the neighborhood is already 
terrible, they're going to make it more terrible. Yeah, Park is terrible over there. They're going to make it more terrible. <laughs> I've been to the bridge. Yeah, you've been to the bridge. Yeah, around the bro. Yeah, I got to drive around trying to find Park and it's, it's nervous. Park. I yeah, can't stay long. Right, Park is nervous <laughs> around crazy. Um, but all of that, so we was like, as residents, like, yo, it's, this is horrible. Um, and again, it was, it was it was even split on that way because some residents were so lucky, so happy to hear, oh, they're bringing jobs. And it's like, right. number one, um, as I said in the meeting to the tenant president just last week, that we need to start begging companies for jobs. We got scientists, we got architects, we got engineers that live in Queensbridge and from Queensbridge sure. who they just don't have the capital. They have sole proprietorships and they're doing business. They just don't have the capital to hire. But we can hire if we invest in our community. We can hire people. We, right. we can we can we can create the jobs. The, the biggest investment should be in the self. people. It's in the people. The people is a resource right? and then everything grows from there. Right. So I didn't like the fact that my community was begging Amazon to come for jobs. Like okay. I actually was disgusted disgusted by that. Like okay. come on. Okay. We're still begging for jobs. Right. Still picking it outside. We need jobs. Come on. Right. Yeah. Um, now, as an entrepreneur, as a business person, um, it's like, why wouldn't you want to have the biggest company or the, or the most profitable company in your neighborhood? Right. Right. Because then you can get other businesses. You build businesses. It's going to attract their people to your business. Right. Um, so I understood both sides. Um, right. And I think ultimately people wasn't listening to each other. Everyone okay. was arguing. Everyone right. thought they was right. Right. No one wanted to listen to each other. Like, right. Everyone has a point. Right. Everyone has a point, and okay. it's ultimately what does the majority of the people here want, and mm-hmm. that's what leadership should be about. If I'm if I'm in that position as council, let the let the neighborhood vote, right? Educate right. everyone as, in, as much in advance as possible. Because sometimes when you have those votes, they say, "Oh, the, the community don't come out." They right. don't come out because you don't make them understand how important it is. Right. You just say, "Come out to this. You need this," but you don't go door to door, step by step, and take that right. whole process right. to build the relationship and the trust. Right. So you only have certain groups of people come out because they understand it. Right. Right. But you take that process, go through that process. And then hold an election. Even if you got to hold the election, go door to door and get a survey. Right. These people want this. These people want that. So this is what we're going with. Right. You got to make a mem- tough decision. It's a memorandum. It's part yeah. of the election. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Right. So, yeah. Um, uh, again, man, you know, it's it's not what you do. It's how you do it. And oh, I think and, that the and, way that they tried to do that was. Uh, no, it was terrible. It, it, it wasn't kosher. Hey, Shah, what's happening, Shah? You asked the question about... Mr. Ngozi in April. What's happening? Thanks for plugging in, y'all. You asked the question about Van Bram. I wanted to point that out. Okay. Now, um, now mind you, this is a guy who... Um, he, he gave me a couple of honors, right? Uh, okay. Two two city proclamations. Okay. Right? One for my personal life transformation. Okay. Um, Black History Month in the Jacob Reese Community Center. So I'm always grateful for that. And one mm-hmm. just for my community work in general. Okay. Um, so always grateful for that. However, I've learned that this man has played both sides of the fence, like most of them do. Mm. Right? Um, early in his political career, he took... Big real estate money, right? Mm. It's documented. He took big real estate money, and okay. now he's saying he, he he won't take big real estate money because now people are learning, or now the okay. climate is changing. Now so many other politicians are saying we're not taking big real estate money. Right. But he, um, as all of them did, they welcomed Amazon initially. I think two right. three years ago they said, yeah, we want Amazon here. Right. But then I think when he got slighted by the mayor and the governor, when they started working their closed office deals, he felt like, oh wow, now I got to turn. Back to the community. Right. Um, but he played both sides even in that. Because at one point he said, yes, come, we want them. And then as things turned and maybe he wasn't included, to my, uh, this is my perspective, maybe he wasn't included in that, in those underhand checks. Right. Maybe he changed his mind. Right. You know what? This, this is deep when people talk about that, right? Because uh, there was a politician in Harlem that had taken some money from real estate and he did something that went against real, real estate interests. And then when it was pointed out to him, he had to give the money back <laughs> to real estate. But here's my thing. That's exactly what he should have did. Yeah. 
Just because you give me a check does not mean you buy me. Absolutely. So I don't have a problem with you taking big real estate's money. It's just that you are supposed to represent the people of your district, of of the area that you say that you want to provide the best coverage for, right? The best representation for. So take the money. Just Mm -hmm. don't sell out to them. You know what I mean? So in my mind, this gentleman in Harlem, I can't remember his name. He did the right thing because he took the money. And then when it came time to go against their interest because their interest didn't align with the people, he went with the people. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I still got your check, man. But that don't mean you, you're going to buy me. That's the whole point. That You know what I mean? You, you give me the money. You may think I'm going to only represent your interest, but I'm going to represent the interest so of then, So then the why take the money in the first place? Community. Because that's the issue with the people. If you know you're not going to do it, if you know we, we because are. You, because you may think that by cutting me a check, mm-hmm. that means that you have bought my integrity. That does not mean the same thing to me. You can think mm-hmm. what you want to think, Got but it. I am going to represent the interests of the people. Now, in the next election, you realize you don't want to cut that same check. <laughs> don't cut it. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going to take this dough, and I'm still going to do what I got to do. That's just me. Anyway, let me go to Mr. Beckford. I don't get it. You're supposed to be an independent voice regardless of whom or what. What other way to prove that you're an independent voice than to take someone's money but don't Sell out if if their interest does not go, you know, represent the interest of the people you're supposed to be representing. Yeah. I don't know that that yeah, you know, I did, that kind of trips me out, <laughs> Mr. Beckford. Let me go to you. Yeah. Um, you've run for office before, and I'm yeah. pretty sure you you may be running again at some point. Yeah. Right. Let's talk to us about uh, your experience, Dan. Why you think working from the inside is the best for your community? Well, it's not even working from the inside. Um, I'm going in to shatter that foundation that they built themselves upon. You know, okay. which is not representing the community, which is not being a true representation. You know, um, especially when, you know, I always keep on going back to the fact that we have black elected officials who, you know, like my district is mainly black elected officials, but yet many of them don't do a thing for us. Okay. You know, matter of fact, one of them just became Brooklyn party boss. And I'm like, hey, you just put a bigger target on your back for me because mm-hmm. I had no everything about you. And everybody who's online with her, you mm-hmm. know, has the same target because you're all underneath that same umbrella because you're all doing the same thing. Okay. You know, she's the one pulling your strings, you know, but I'm going for, um, you know, a public advocate now, Jamani Williams, you know, okay. I'm going for his seat again. In his 20- own city council seat. Yeah. For his okay. seat in 2021. Okay. You know, uh, what district is that in seat? 45. So 45. that's like Flatbush, he's Flatbush, Midwood, Marine Park, Flatlands okay. and Kensington. Okay. You know, and, one thing that you look at, you have all these people who give you lip service, but none of them give you true representation. You know, we don't have services. We don't have resources. You know, New York City schools are owed over $1.5 billion, you know. From whom? The federal government? From the state itself. From the state of New York. You know, okay. but then at the same time, the city is not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody keeps on talking about education, but they're not doing anything. You okay. know, you have issues with gang violence, but yet you're out here demonizing you know, the, the, you know, these youth in our community mm-hmm. so that you're abandoning them. You know, and I tell people, if you show them that you don't give a damn, they're not going to give a damn. You know, so what do you expect from them if you're not even giving them mentorship programs? I remember growing up, I used to be part of this um, Project Concern throughout the summertime. That was summer camp. You know, we went there. We had mentors. We learned everything. I even learned how to play tennis. You know, oh, I, I didn't I, I didn't know what it was for, but tennis it was enjoyable. Dope. You know, tennis is dope. I, I got to learn about it. Absolutely. But, you know, but these gave me these gave these were things that gave me options. Okay. You know, they, they opened up an avenue for me that a lot of people in our community don't get. You know, and I try to make sure I pass these things down to my children as well, too. Mm-hmm. You know, but 
when you have this corruption, like you said, you know, with real estate, you know, with the elected officials who take the big money and the next, you know, the puppets, you know, for the real estate board of New York, you know, who basically is the largest real estate, basically they control all real estate throughout New York City, New York right. State, you know, um, they're racist as hell. You know, they, they push gentrification as if it's the next, you know, item coming out. You know, like you said, that's colonialism. You know, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. All, all it is is a, 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 a mini weaponized imperialism against, you know, our communities. Right. You know, but you have the displacements. You see the money being siphoned out of our communities. Right. You see we don't have community centers. You're seeing that a lot of the organizations and the programs are shutting down because the fund is not coming. Just recently, they just, what, they put up $11 billion for four new jails. But you could put $11 billion towards four new jails, expanding mass incarceration, but yet you can't put that money towards mental health services. Mm. You can't put that money towards housing. You can't fix NYCHA. Okay. You, you can't even put in boilers right now, but you're going to say, oh, yeah, the governor's going to give us, you know, $200 million for boilers for the next three years to get put in. No, mm. we need this now. Okay. The people are suffering. Right. You know, and, and, and he, but then at the same time, I can't only blame, you know, these, you know, as I call, you know, as I call these sambos. You know, that are in our <laughs> politics, you know, but also have to look at the people and say, where are we? Why are we just going by the status quo? Don't be scared of change, because if it wasn't for change, we will still be in shackles in our wrists and our feet right now. Now, a lot of us still have it in our mind. But it's time that we start taking leaders who actually are not scared of the establishment, mm-hmm. leaders who will come against a party, you know, a, a major party, no matter what. You know, because I tell people it doesn't matter what party I'm aligned with, what party I'm registered at, what party you're registered as. I'm people over party, people over profits. Politics all the time. Yeah. 100%. You know, you have to be for the people. These are the same people <clears throat> who you live with on a day-to-day basis. And don't come in with this thou, you know, holier-than-thou attitude because you're not. We all struggling. Right. True story. You know, <laughs> I mean, and I'm sure in some of those, in some of those elected officials, uh, went in, like, like even with a lot of cops, right? From what I understand, a lot of people that become police officers, they mm-hmm. really want to go in mm-hmm. and protect the community. Change. They believe that they can affect change. Mm-hmm. They don't go in being these racist cats that are trying to just, you know, shoot unarmed black men or, or whatever, or really not represent the people. When something happens, something happens when they get in, when they get inside, they somehow they become Absolutely. part and parcel mm-hmm. of the same system. Is that, that culture that they did? What what's going to stop you? Because there's some of the elected officials that sounded like you guys, and I'm just keeping putting it out there. Yeah. What's going Absolutely. to stop you from becoming part and parcel of the same corrupt culture um, that that we? I see mean, I can in, answer straight in, up. I mean, first and foremost, how are you going to continue to protect the peace? I mean, first and foremost, this is something that. I wish I was. I wish I wouldn't even have to do, mm-hmm. right? Um, I would rather be making That's movies deep. and writing deep. books and traveling with my children. Right. Like I would rather be doing that. Absolutely. But I realized there's nobody in my community. I've asked people, "Yo, run! I will help you." Right. Nobody was ready that I asked that I spoke to. I don't wow. know of anybody else, but no one who I spoke to was ready to do it. Now they was like, "Oh yeah, maybe when I finish college, maybe when I get this degree, maybe when I." And it's like, yo, like it needs to happen now because mm-hmm. this current councilman who's been for 12 years, three terms, he's out. The next person is similar to him. It's not going to get no better. Right. So somebody has to run now, next election. Right. Oh, and it was like, so I, I sat and I thought about it and I spoke to a bunch of people because I was like, I really, again, I, I am who I am. I'm an artist. I'm a visionary. I'm a community builder. Right. Right. I am right. a public servant. At 12 years old, we did our first um, cult book in, in, in a food drive, canned food drive in Queensbury. We was 12, wow. 13 years old. Okay. And even before that with my dad, 
right? And my granddad in South Jamaica going to 40 Projects giving out turkeys. Mm, like, I've been nice. doing that since a little boy. Okay. So that's who I am. That's Public people. service. How do I serve my people? It's, it's been poured um, into you. It's poured into me. Right. Right. Um, and so I'm not a politician. Again, I would rather not do it. I, I want to do one term. Right. And yeah. hopefully I can groom someone else to come in and take it so I can get back full time to filmmaking. Okay. I want to tell our stories more than anything. I hear that. Right. Mm-hmm. But again, it's something that is like it's a temporary job. Mm. If, if, if I do great and the people want me to stay, then we could, we could talk about it. But it's not something that I don't want to be a career politician. I have no aspiration to be a career politician doing this until I'm 80. Okay. I want to be 90, making the film, and die. <laughs> so that's how I want my life to uh, That's true, and I want that for you, my brother. <laughs> Real talk, man. Uh, Mr. Beckford, to you, what is going to stop you from becoming, uh, once you get in to the city council, what stops is going to stop you from becoming part and parts of the whole corrupt system? My integrity. Going there? My integrity, my upbringing. Okay. You know, one thing, one thing I've learned, you know, th- through my past elections is the fact that even a lot of people in the movement were like, Man, yo, we can't mess with you, bro, because, you know, you're going to end up being like them. And I'm, and the, but then they see me at a march. They see me out there still patrolling and cop watch. They still me out there, still see me out there galvanizing the people. They see me out there shutting down events of other electors. They're like, maybe you're not going to change. I'm like, you haven't got that since me. You haven't gotten that yet. Okay. Like, for example, I'm a public advocate. I went against him in 2017 for the same seat. But that was, that was no, a race to win. That was an accountability race. Okay. Because at the same time that I'm looking to provide the representation, I want to pull some of our people back in. You know, mm-hmm. if I see that you on that edge, I'm grabbing you by the back of your neck and mm-hmm. bringing you back. I'm letting you okay. know, like, hey, bro, I'm here for you. The people are here for you. Be back here with the people. Mm-hmm. You know, and Jamani and I, you know, even that was that was a very rough race because there's a lot I had exposed. But mm-hmm. now, you know, see each other, you know, give each other hugs, we give each other daps and stuff like that. Right. You know, because at the end of the day, it's about the people, it's about community. Absolutely. You know, we're at the same events. We literally mm-hmm. have the same circle. You mm-hmm. know, you know, my I may have different you know, counterparts to my circuit, he may have different counterparts, but yet we have seen similarities in there. Okay. You know, and like you say, you know, it's not about being a politician. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm an advocate. You know, every okay. time somebody say, oh, this guy's a politician, I'm like, no, I'm an advocate. Okay. You know, like even now, like, I, I have people talking about, yo, how you have blue checks on Facebook now, on your page, man? Like, you're not even in office. And I'm like, because of my advocacy. It's not, okay. I'm not even in yet. But mm-hmm. even the corporations have to realize, like, all right, this brother out here making things happen. What's the blue check? Tell tell our audience. So that's like for, to be verified. So, for example, like somebody like Sean King, who has like millions of followers, has a blue check. I got 3,000 followers, you know, but mm-hmm. I was able to obtain that. But that's because of the advocacy that I put out there. Because mm-hmm. of the fact of the work I do, I don't, I used to be the man behind the Iron Mask. Mm-hmm. But now I'm showing the people like, this is who I am and this is why I'm doing it. Okay. You know, so that way the children can see the, rep- the representation because a lot of us didn't have the representation growing up, you know, with black leaders because we only saw it on TV. Right. You know, but we didn't see it in our community. Okay. You know, so I said, no, it's time for the people to actually see it. Okay. So being somebody who's lived this life, you know, through struggles, you know, who had to watch his mother, you know, you know, you know, make me a full meal, but yet she's only going to drink tea, you know, and have some hard old bread with some butter mm-hmm. and not realizing what it was about when I was younger, but then growing up and realizing she was making sure that I was fed because there wasn't enough food mm-hmm. or enough money going out there to our communities to make sure that our community was fed. I'm going to make sure that I bring this out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that we have, you know, you know, we have a- a- easy access to food that where there's no more food deserts. Make mm-hmm. sure there's no more transportation deserts to make mm-hmm. sure that we actually have community health programs in our community once mm-hmm. again to make sure that the grassroots organizations are being funded and not just nonprofits because a lot of these nonprofits that work for some of these electeds yeah. only do what the electeds tell them to do. And mm-hmm. it's about time that we empower the grassroots 
grassroots who are doing the work every day as well too, and hold it up to the nonprofits to help fund them, let their money trickle down as well too. All right. You know, and in regards to the gangs, like I said, going back to that, the the easy solution is you give them something to do, they won't look for something to do. Bring back free after school programs. Okay. Bring back summer programs. Lower the rent with the rent rollbacks. These okay. are things that we need. The answers are there. It takes a signing on the legislation, but it also takes courage to make it happen. Right. We can talk to that definitely. We got a few seconds to go, and I want you gentlemen to tell the people where they can, what's next for you and where they can find you, uh, on, on your social media pages and things of that nature. What's up, Kevin Barry? Hey, April. Thanks for watching. Tell the people, uh, where they can find you and what's next for you, sir. Um, I'm actually, uh, about to release my autobiography. Uh, wow. My nice. 36th birthday, March, March 14th. Okay. I'm also doing that. It's called um, Born to Lead, Created to Shine, A Son's Rise. Wow. Right? So okay. I'm speaking um, like double entendre, like as my mother's, as my as my mother and father's son mm. to grow up and lead my family, but also as the sun shine. Right? Mm. So it's Born to Shine, literally. Okay. Um, 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 I'm on Instagram, uh, SugarRay4506, S-U-G-A-R-A-Y 4506. Um okay. Facebook is Sugar Ray, S-U-G-A space R-A-Y. Um, and the easiest way to contact me is through email is thesugarrayshow at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-S-U-G-A-R-A-Y. You have your own radio show, right? Yeah, my own podcast. Yeah, radio um, podcast with radio. Yeah, 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 the Sugar Ray Show. How um, often do you uh, uh, I do it weekly. Broadcast. I mean, okay. it's, 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 I do it from my phone. So okay. um, sometimes I have just me sharing thoughts, you know, okay. um, about meditation, about different aspects of wellness. Like Wednesday is, Wednesday, is uh, Wellness Wednesdays. Thursdays is Throwback Thursday. I talk about stuff from the past. Friday is Freedom Friday. Talking about different aspects of freedom. Okay. Um, the last few weeks I've been talking about personal freedom, like how to, you know, okay. free yourself from yourself and from okay. the expectation of others. Sacred Saturdays, Sunday service, Motivation Mondays, Truth okay. Tuesdays. So every day is a different theme. Alright, so holler at me, man, when, you know, yeah, let's do get, it. get a brother yeah. on there, man, Absolutely. get some one world representation on there. Absolutely. Uh, thank you very much for coming, uh, Mr. Sugar Ray. I appreciate you, sir. Uh, Mr. Beckford, tell us what's next for you and where the folks can, uh, expect to, uh, where they can find you, man. What's next as you continue protecting the peace? Alright, I'm still gonna be out here, still gonna be representing these organizations, still out here representing the people, still gonna be out here fighting for the people. Okay. You know, um, you know, basically educating our kids, trying, you know, trying to rebuild our black Wall Streets. And so forth, you know, but on social media, they can find me on Facebook and Instagram. It's Anthony Beckford, the number four city council. Okay. And then on um, Twitter, it's vote the number four Beckford. You know, it's, it's you know, it's going to continue making this movement go forward, you know, make okay. sure we get some results and solutions. Okay. Well, thank you very much, both of you gentlemen, for coming on Radio One World Fest Global today. Uh, we appreciate the insights and the wisdom that you brought. And uh, we we look forward to having you back on again sometime. Mr. Beckford, this is actually your second time on yeah. the show. Do we have two minutes? So, we, well, well, we, we can talk about us there. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Look at the face of my producer right there. <laughs> got we want to go home. This hour usually goes way faster than I anticipate, man. It happens yeah, man. like that all the does. time. It's, it's only a sip of what we have, man. You know, we got a lot more um, that, that, that these people, a lot more wisdom, a lot more of the water that they um, – can provide for you to partake of and, and, and take their wisdom and, and sit down and listen and say, you know, I got something to think about here as I move forward in my life in 2020. This is going to be a big year and a lot of things going mm -hmm. on, man. So I wanted to kick it off really nicely with, with people again who are protectors, you know, people and protectors are givers, you know, um, when I say protectors of peace, because 
protectors are givers. They're giving of themselves. They're giving of their time. They're giving of their energy and they're giving of their strength to try to make sure that the most vulnerable people in our community are taken care of. And I appreciate both of you gentlemen for the activism uh, that you have and for the positions that you've taken as young black men out here on the front lines trying to make sure, man, that we all are right. Because I'm, I'm an old black man, so I could use some protecting right now myself. <laughs> you know, I ain't just saying, I'm just not vulnerable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So thanks again, both of y'all, for coming on Radio thanks, One Wellness. World Fest Global, and we look forward to having you on again in the future. Peace, Peace. Pots, Shalom, Habaragani, Hotep, Assalamu Alaikum, and Mir. We see you guys next month, the last Sunday of every month, 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Radio One World Fest Global. Have a great day.